Hey guys, Darren here. You're in for a real treat. Charlie Champ is in his house today. We're going to be diving deep down into this topic, supernatural prolonged fasting and not the dirge of self-deprivation, but a historical and biblical narrative for engaging in the mystic feast. This is supernatural communion as a way to satisfy and nourish the soul, the body, and the spirit. This one is crazy dense. It's wonderfully intense and it's absolutely supernatural. It's going down right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, where emerging revivalists and extraordinary leaders share inspirational experiences that will help take you to a higher level. Now here's your host, Darren Stott. Welcome, everybody, to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, the show that exists to equip, connect, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that that's why you're listening is because it's your desire to see God's kingdom come and His will be done, manifested, and established through your daily efforts and contributions. If that's your desire, it's such an honor to have you listening today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor at a church called Seattle Revival Center, founder of Supernaturalist Ministries, and the author author of a book called Pattern Interrupt. It's super awesome. You'd love it. Check it out on Amazon. Again, that's Pattern Interrupt. Today's show is brought to you by SupernaturalParents.com. If you got some children, some grandchildren, and it's your desire to see your children raised up in the ways of the Spirit, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to walk in the manifest power of Jesus, then check it out. It's 12 tips. It's about 12 minutes. It's free. And it's HD. It's yours at SupernaturalParents.com. Well, you guys are in for a real treat. And just right off the bat, let me just say, happy Labor Day. Uh, and so most likely you have the day off. I know I have the day off. And uh, and so uh, and the sun is shining. It's going to be 90-something degrees in Seattle. Uh, it's going to be an awesome day. And I'm excited to get this podcast into your hands. This is a, a, an hour long. It's over an hour long uh, discussion with Charlie Champ on the Mystic Feast. And if you haven't heard of Charlie Champ, Char- Charlie uh, founded um, uh, Destiny Encounters alongside of his wife, Bryn. And they are international speakers. They're literally traveling the nations year round. He does a ton of stuff in the Middle East. He walks in this crazy healing anointing and more recently it's been fun watching him step into this prophet role and that he's getting um he's getting the blueprints and scrolls that include the details from major world events with pinpoint accuracy this last year he has predicted several elections uh not just the outcome of the elections but really speaking god's heart into these elections in countries and man i've just seen charlie just walking in such accuracy that it's actually been quite freaky including this this prophetic word i don't know if you guys have seen it you're going to want to check it out uh charlie shams page on facebook but he gives this prophetic word to the president in Kenya and to the country of Kenya. And he gives this prophetic word involving their election and their election process. 
Well, that thing has taken right off. In fact, uh, last I looked, it had over 100,000 view, uh, views. Now, when you think about that for a second, think of CenturyLink Stadium, where the Seahawks play in Seattle. That seats 70,000 people, okay? And Charlie's already had over 100,000 views of this prophetic word about uh, uh, the president of Kenya and the election there. In fact, um, I heard just yesterday that this video has made it into the hands of the president uh, there in Kenya. And so this is uh, this is incredible just watching uh, Charlie walk in this prophetic realm in this in this role of a prophet, seeing him really step into this thing has just been incredible. Charlie not only walks in this incredible prophetic gifting, but he also walks in an incredible faith for signs and wonders and miracles, uh, the wild and crazy stuff. I met Charlie um, back in 2015. I knew of him through a mutual friend. And then actually I was doing this uh, Periscope. I had like 50 followers at the time on Periscope. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Charlie Champ jumps onto Periscope. And I stopped what, what I was doing and stopped teaching and said, is that Charlie Champ? And he said, it is. And so that's how we met was on Periscope. Uh, and through just kind of hitting it off over the phone through uh, numerous conversations, I invited Charlie to come out and be a part of Declaration Conference 2016 in Seattle. We had Patricia King, Bobby Connor, Leif Hetland, and I invited Charlie to come and as you may or may not know Charlie was supposed to come for three days and ended up sticking around in Seattle for five weeks and so that conference extended uh, it went for three days and then went a fourth day and a fifth day and a sixth day and we just started uh, going after it so just from having Charlie in Seattle with his family uh, the two of us have become great friends and uh, that was February of 2016 here we are in September of 2017 and just seeing just the uh, just the incredible growth, the acceleration, the favor that's on Charlie and Bryn and on their family, on their ministry right now. It's absolutely, it's crazy. Now, when Charlie, Charlie was just with us for our summer camp meeting just a couple weeks ago, and as usual, Charlie wasn't eating. Uh, the only time Charlie would eat is when somebody on my team would make him eat. And so it's not like this crazy religious thing where he's trying to deprive himself of food. But when Charlie travels, he basically um, walks in this lifestyle of not eating. And we got into this conversation uh, about how to sustain the body supernaturally through feasting on the Lord. And we had such a great time talking about this privately. This is the kind of thing that Charlie doesn't really talk about. And uh, it's, it's the kind of thing that Charlie doesn't even necessarily uh, preach on. Uh, uh, maybe he will be after today, but up to this point, this is one of the first times that Charlie has spoken publicly um, on this particular topic. Now, we're going to be talking about fasting, but not just fasting, but but supernatural fasting as prolonged fasting as a lifestyle. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but um, this is a normal thing uh, within uh, our historical roots within Christianity. Uh, The saints, St. Angela, fasted without food for 12 years. St. Catherine of Siena fasted without food for eight whole years. Uh, St. Catherine of, I hope I say this right, uh, uh, Rakagnigi fasted for 10 years. St. Domenica uh, fasted for over 20 years. St. Rosa uh, went without food for 28 years. St. Domenica over 14 years. St. Louise, 14 years. St. Elizabeth, 15 years. St. Lydwin, again, 28 years. And St. Nicholas von Flew 
over 20 years without food. Now, one of the things that you're going to hear and that you're going to see in today's show is that we're not, like like I said before, talking really about self-deprivation and, and making us suffer in order to step into some sort of crazy supernatural encounter. Not at all. Really, what we're talking about today is giving a historical and biblical narrative for engaging in the mystic feast. That would be feasting on the Lord through supernatural communion as a lifestyle and the possibility of satisfying and nourishing our physical body as well as our soul and our spirit. Now, I will warn you, this podcast does get crazy dense. It gets pretty deep and we uh, get into some topics that are not close-handed theology, meaning that uh, this is not the kind of thing where you have to subscribe to this in order to be our friend. Um, This is what Charlie refers to as exotic theology. Some of this stuff is fun to think on and fun to kind of meditate on and, and to pursue in the scriptures, um, but this is not the kind of thing where we're going to label you a heretic if you don't believe this, or where you should label us a heretic for even engaging in this conversation. The next thing I need to point out is that Charlie and I are not doctors, nor do we play doctors on TV. You shouldn't do anything catastrophic such as attempting to survive without food or water without first consulting your doctor. I do know that fasting has incredible benefits to your whole body, but again, before you do any of this, you need to consult with your doctor so that you can walk this thing out without hurting yourself. Okay. So with all that being said, let's get started. You're going to love this podcast. It's the Mystic Feast with Charlie Champ. Here we go. Okay, everybody, here we go. So, Charlie Champ, what is up? Hey, man, it's great to be on with you, bro. Yeah, man, this is this is going to be fun. We've talked about doing this for a while, and now we're actually going for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about your podcast. I am uh, really enjoying listening to it, and I think it's, uh, it's going to be great today. Now, I think that uh, uh, one of the reasons why I'm really excited about this particular podcast is because, you know, the name of this podcast is the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. And so, of course, just having that supernatural element is really important because uh, Christianity um, without the supernatural is not Christianity at all. And uh, that's one of the things that I just appreciate about you, Charlie, is just your 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 hunger for uh, true Christian spirituality. And so I, I've learned so much from, from just watching you and observing you. Um, but I, I observed something kind of different about you in this last trip when you actually here in Seattle just a couple weeks ago. I've, I've noticed this before, but I, I, I saw this trend. And, and the trend is, is that whenever you're in Seattle, you don't eat. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like, the the joke is, is, like, Charlie's fasting again. But then it's kind of like, it's, it, it kind of seems like Charlie's always fasting. And so, when we when we were kind of framing up um, this show today, um, that is, that's kind of where we decided to go, is with this topic of supernatural fasting. And uh, so, man, I'm, I'm excited to dive into this with you. Uh, and just, because we, we were able to have just these awesome fascinating supernatural conversations regarding the nature of food and and the nature of feasting on the lord and so i'm i'm so excited about just diving into this with you man 
Yeah, I, I was in the back room with you, and we just started kind of discussing it. And it's not really something I talk about a lot, um, you know, not eating and things like that. Um, but it's something of a, a process that I've been through even in my early 20s where it kind of went from fasting and then looking in the scripture into recognizing that life does not sustain by natural food. But as the Bible says, that um, really every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And is there a place where we could live solely on the word of God? This is the discussion that's been in, in my head for years, Darren, is that is it possible that man could be so transformed by the word of God that they would not have to be sustained by natural food? Well, in our last podcast, we talked about Josh Harris's book, uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And so in this podcast today, we're talking about Charlie Shamp's new book, I Kissed Food Goodbye. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, actually, awesome. guys, I, I'm kidding. That's not really Charlie's new book. But um, yeah, so man, uh, you, when you travel, you tend not to eat. You tend to really um, uh, feast on the Lord and really dive into this incredibly deep and intimate place of encounters with the Lord. And I guess my question for you right off the bat is, um, what kind of contrast do you see when you're fasting and you're on these ministry trips and, and dynamics versus um, when you're not fasting. Like, was there a point when you re- when you saw like a pattern emerging in this state of fasting where you realized like this is really the kind of lifestyle I want to engage with? Yeah. Well, the first scripture that I really started to look at um, when I was this is years ago when I was in Bible school uh, was like 22, 23 years old. Was scripture out of Matthew chapter four verse four. That says that man shall not live by bread alone, right. but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that was when Jesus was out in the wilderness, and he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and, and some theologians believe that he didn't even drink water while he was out there. So this wasn't like a normal type of a fast. This was, this was a supernatural fast in nature. And uh, it started kind of getting my mind turning in that direction. And then someone had handed me a book um, called Lilies Among Thorns, uh, which is a book about the persecuted church in China. I just there was a, I just got that book, man. It just arrived. It's sitting on my table right here. Oh, wow. Well, there's a story about a guy named Brother Yun in there who is also considered to be the – he has another book called The Heavenly Man – and um, in that book, Lilies Among Thorns, he was, you know, locked up in prison for 40 days or, or for 80, 90 days or something like that. And um, for 81 days, he didn't eat any food. They didn't feed him. And um, he went into um, a mystical realm where Jesus was walking through the wall and giving him bread and wine. And they were wow. – Wow. Having supernatural communion. Wow. And so, I, I, you know, along with fasting and then studying out fasting, I started to recognize this correlation between, um, you know, what, what the Catholic Church would call like saints or, um, you know, the fifth century uh, guys that came came out of uh, like the Desert Fathers, they called them the mystics, the, the contemplative prayer 
uh, model was birthed out of that, they would call it mystical fast to supernatural feasts because they would have these uh, times where they would so deeply go into communion, communion with the Lord through fasting and prayer that in turn there would be this 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 mystical feast that would come out where you know the Lord would would commune with them. And so this is kind of the things that I, I started to to dive into, Darren, and just think about. You know, and, the, and I'm not saying this is I think that we need to present to the people that are listening that this isn't like um, like a black and white issue. I think that this is more of a what if issue. You know, I always place a lot of this stuff into like what I call um, like in, in theological terms, exotic theology. Right, right. A what if, you know, what could this be, you know? And um, so – and really, 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 what you're talking about isn't so much what we would even define as fasting, as much as what you're talking about is mystic feasting. And so, oftentimes, when we when we talk about fasting, we're focusing on lack and withholding from ourselves things that we normally find pleasure in. But really, what what we're actually talking about today isn't isn't trying to to step into a new level of suffering as much as really engaging with a, a new level of supernatural pleasure that can be found in mystic feasting. And so what we don't want is anyone listening to today's podcast and start like, um, start trying to crucify themselves and start trying to withhold themselves um, life-sustaining nutrients. <laughs> um, the, pur- the purpose of this show today, like Charlie's saying, is is that we're exploring a type of exotic theology. This isn't close-handed kind of like, like if you don't believe this, you know, then, you know, like, like no one's calling anyone heretics today. But what this is, is perhaps like uh, a, an opportunity to enter into a new level of intimacy through mystery feasting no that's exactly it because when you think about the model of fasting that has been um you know especially over the last i'd say 20 years um it's been this place of suffering right but if you look at the model of jesus and both moses because they're you know uh moses being like a prototype and Jesus in the in the um, of the old creation man, and then Jesus being the new creation man, they both fasted forty days. But if you look at the model that Jesus took, there was grace upon his fast, right? Yeah. So yeah. there was this place of grace where you're. He fasted for forty days, and the Bible says that afterwards he hungered. Yeah. So yeah, what yeah. we're talking about, man, is not is not trying to submit our flesh to whatever, trying to bring it in subjection. What we're talking about is getting so deep into the Word of God that you are feasting in a, and you are sustained by the very living Word of God and, and so that you're not even hungry. And you've probably, and many of the listeners, if they – if they um, if they're really into you know the supernatural, which I know a lot of your podcast listeners are, 
they've reached places when they've read the scripture and they've been like meditation upon the scripture, meditating on the scripture in prayer that you'll get to this place where you feel the spirit realm open to such a degree that, that you feel, you feel like fully satisfied. And, And so what I've noticed is when I, I go on long periods without, without taking in uh, natural food that I am sustained by prayer um, and, and a mystical communion with God. And then also the reading of the scripture uh, brings this element of uh, sustainability where I can go, you know, long periods without eating food. Now, of course you drink water um, and things like that, but um, it's, it's, Interesting to think about John chapter six when Jesus was was talking about you know that he's the bread of life you know he's the he is the uh, he's the living word and in verse thirty three he says that you know he's the bread that came down from heaven that gives life to the world and if you eat of him and you drink of him you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst again. So theologians look at Scripture in three different ways. They look at it historically and, and naturally, but also they look at it you know, supernaturally or, or mystical. And so is there an element to what Jesus was saying that you could live off of the very word of God? You could eat it and, and, and drink. I mean, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Is that a metaphor? Is that is that just something that is, um, you know, a good quote for for uh, um, like a, a Instagram post after you <laughs> you, you put <laughs> you put a picture of your Bible or something? Or is that it, 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 is that actually is there a possibility, Darren, that you could be sustained by the by the Word of God? Yeah, absolutely. And even even as David would say, as you know, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Again, we just see that through a, a Christian coffee cup lens. But really, there's David understood that there was a part of of of, of the spirit of God that could actually um, bring nutrition to to the core of who he was. And just to let everybody kind of kind of know, like when we talk about um, supernatural fasting or exotic feast, um, and when it, when it comes to the saints, we're not just talking about you know a two week kind of thing or like a thirty day kind of thing. Um, uh, when Charlie's talking about the saints, when you even when you read uh, the diaries of of the saints, they use terminology and word choice for the presence of God all the time, where they're actually describing the flavor of God's presence. They're actually describing the flavor of feasting on the body of Christ, and they they use such passionate. Um, uh, it's almost like it's almost like almost like exotic, <laughs> like like in the same way that, that you're that you're using exotic theology. I mean, the words are so um, are so over the top in how they're describing feasting uh, on, uh, on the presence of the Lord and delighting and drinking uh, of, of His blood, and we're talking. Like uh, Saint Rosa, twenty-eight years without any food. Um, Saint Lidwin, I think that, that's how I say the, the name tw- again. Twenty-eight years, but um, there's all Saint Catherine of Siena, eight years without any food. 
um, like, so what we're actually talking about isn't just, I mean, 40 days is, is huge. Like that's, I don't want to minimize that, but what we're actually talking about is a lifestyle of, of, of mystic feasting on the body of Christ. Yeah. And, and, and when you look at the saints, I'm glad that you brought up like St. Catherine of Siena because her mystical fast, the one that took, went for eight years, um, came from a vision that she had of Christ's heart. And off the back of that mystical encounter that she had, she got into a place where she no longer needed natural food. And so when you look at a lot of, especially the the saints or these mystics that, that came out of uh, the, you know, the first, second, third, even seventh century church, you discover that a lot of them weren't intentional on not eating. They just got into such communion <laughs> right. with Christ and the Holy Spirit that when you look at their lives, they, they would, in their journals, they would say, I just, I would try to eat, but I just wasn't hungry. And so it's a totally different concept than just saying, you know, I'm going to suffer and not eat and I'm going to fast and, 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 and these kind of, kind of things, Darren, we're, we're really, we're talking about living off the word and living off of what Christ did on the cross. And, and a lot of these guys, if they did eat any food, the only thing that they ate was the communion table. Right, right, right. Which, you know, is another kind of thing that we had talked about um, previous to doing the podcast was that that can communion, can the bread and and the and the wine or the or the, the grape juice, can it get to a place that it supernaturally sustains you because of what Christ did on the cross? Because when you look at natural food, something always has to die to give you life, right? Yep. Whether it's a carrot or whether it's a cow, whatever uh, you know, thing that you eat, uh, aside from you know, uh, genetically modified food. I'm just kidding. Uh, is 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 real? That's the next right? podcast. Yeah, that's the next one we're gonna do. Um, <laughs> GMOs. But if something had to die to give you life, when you get sit down and eat your food, something had to die to give you life, right? If you look at the mystical fast to supernatural feasting, someone died to give you life. Right. Right. So, so the apostles, the the first century church, the disciples, the Bible says that they went from house to house breaking bread. And, and you know, you can look at 1 Corinthians 10 uh, and chapter 11, where Paul really dives into um, the communion table as being the element to sustain life as a new Christian, as a new creation believer. And not just having a, a meal and fellowship fellowshipping on a, a natural plane, 
but coming to a higher dimension of supernatural feasting on the body and, and the blood of Jesus. And um, so, you know, even Leviticus 17.11 says that the life is in the blood. So my question is, even to the viewing audience and, and the guys that are listening, is which death has brought more life to you? Wow. Really? I mean, let's think about it. Which death brings more life to you? Is it possible that the chicken or the beef that you're eating that's sustaining your life is in no comparison to the life that Christ gave on the cross? And when you take the communion and the elements of the communion, even you know during uh, an extended time of you know, what people would would say was fasting. Um, could it bring you such nutrition that if you went to the doctor, they would they would check all your all your vital signs, they would check everything in your body, and they would say, you know, you're completely healthy. In fact, there's no we can't even find a trace of sickness and disease within your within you. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to communion, uh for most of the church, communion has become an act of symbolism to remind us of what Christ did on the cross, but it's lost its com- its complete mystical nature as far as the invitation to engage by faith in that by partaking and celebrating of uh, at, at the Lord's table that 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 as we receive the as we receive communion that it actually has the ability by faith to go inside of us and begin transforming us into the image of Christ there's very little emphasis emphasis i think on the the supernatural nature of of communion to the degree that for for most believers the only time they take communion is at their church um and in corporately you can only do so much at that place of, of communion. I realized that the very first communion was was corporate, and that I also realized even that word communion, <laughs> it was as far as how the Catholics approach it, is the communion of the saints, the celebration of the Lord's table within all the all the natural uh, entities on earth and in the cosmos. Like It's the celebration of all believers coming together in what Christ has done. But Charlie, as far as like taking communion by yourself and really engaging by faith, what can you what can you say that would be like some pointers for somebody that's never necessarily taking communion at home on their own? And how do we go beyond just thinking symbolically into engaging communion by faith, where we're, where we're actually entering into this mystic feast where we can do something in the natural? that becomes supernatural and then then almost becomes natural again where it begins actually physically bringing uh, um, nourishment to our bodies. Well, I think uh, one of the things is mixing the word with with communion, right? And I try to take communion daily, every day, and sometimes up to three times a day, I'll take it. And one of the misconceptions, I think, um, with with communion – uh, especially, and I don't want to like fire shots at, at, at certain sure. streams or groups, but when you look at like, um, 
the charismatic and both Pentecostal movements, there is there is a lesser emphasis on the blood and the body of Jesus right, right, than, right. say, certain other uh, streams. And so, um, in fact, to the point, when you, when you look at 1 Corinthians 11, excuse me, you look at 1 Corinthians 11, in, in verse 24 and 25, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Right. I think that both the charismatic and Pentecostal church remember more Jesus' birth and Christmas than we do the mystical feast or supernatural communion. Right. Because we celebrate Christmas more and the birth of Jesus than we do, you know, the death, the burial, and resurrection in a sense. And that's what really communion is, is that when you take it, although it's natural, right? And this is, this is again, Darren, something that we can speculate, we can just think about, okay? Sure. Uh, the, the Catholic kind of stream believes that when you take the communion— that it becomes the literal body and the blood of Jesus. Right. When, when uh, charismatics and Pentecostals take it, and I, again, I'm not trying to fire any shots, but I'm just trying to open, you know, maybe a discussion of of thinking different a different way because we get in these boxes, man, where we can't think outside of our denomination, our religious upbringing. We can't glean from other, you know, streams because we've been taught this certain theological system that just just boxes us in. But could it be, and we were talking about this, that when you take the body and the blood of Jesus in communion, that it isn't symbolic, but but it actually is supernatural in the fact that, like what the Catholics say, that when you receive it, at some point, it changes from being that cracker, that piece of bread, to being the actual flesh and the actual uh, – no longer the grape juice, but the actual blood, uh, the body and the blood of Jesus. And again, John 6, when Jesus was discussing with his disciples, this was the most offensive passage of scripture because they believed that – you know, what is Jesus really saying to us? He, he's saying, if you eat of my flesh, you drink of my blood, you'll never die. This was the most offensive thing that um, that Jesus Jesus could say to, to, to the people to the point that everybody literally went away from the Lord except for his disciples. And and then he asked them, are you guys going to go away too? And, 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 and Peter said – well, you're the one that has the words of life. See, I think that's key within the passage uh, 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 in the context of what Jesus was talking in, in John 6. And the revelation that his disciples were receiving was that actually when we are in communion with you, we don't need even even you know, natural food. Because even Jesus said, I have food and meat that you know not of. So I guess to answer your question, 
the meditation of scripture and understanding that you don't have to be in a church setting in order to take communion, but to recognize that your fellowship is with God and in Christ and the Holy Spirit. And even to even, you know, taking communion with your family, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst of you. Yeah. That's good. So changing culture from, you know, the place of organized religion where we can only do certain things within the built within the building and our local congregation and bringing it to the the breaking of bread house to house and with our family and teaching even our children, you know, about communion is, is I think is, is important for where um, this generation is going in Christianity. Yeah, that, that's so good. And, and I would just add to that um, for people that want to begin um, practicing communion in a, in a new way at, at home on their own is you don't have to have crackers and grape juice and so even even that is it, it can be a um a uh, just kind of a, a traditional kind of churchy sort of thing in in fact um i mean you could use you know apple juice and a piece of cheese <laughs> like you could have some lettuce and you know whatever but here's the other thing you don't even necessarily have to have anything i mean i think there is something about uh about using some sort of liquid and some and some sort of solid, especially because it it engages your mind, your will, and your emotions, and in, it, where there can be a connection with the spirit. But I just also want to encourage people that you can do this just simply by faith, coming into the the presence of the Lord, coming coming before the Lord's table by faith. You know, even with your just with your eyes shut, you know, when you're by yourself, and just hold your hand out like you have a a, a large goblet full of the blood of Jesus, and and in your left hand, just imagine you got this big loaf of bread, and just by faith engaging, because sometimes we can get so wrapped up in a literal cracker and and the grape juice that we're thinking about the flavor of the grape juice <laughs> we're thinking about the we're thinking more about the elements oftentimes right. than, than we're even thinking about really feasting and in, in uh, on the presence of the lord and the other thing that that I think is important is that that as believers that communion is it, it, it's not just and Charlie pointed this out but I want to bring extra attention to it this is not like this is not us going to a funeral so we're not we're not going to the funeral of Christ Jesus in mourning at the Lord's table. Like when we engage with communion, we are celebrating the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the glorification of Christ Jesus and our and our union in that in that act of life, death, resurrection, and mutual glorification in Christ. And so like so I just say it in the sense that sometimes people get very um heavy revy very serious as though they're going to uh now we need to have sobriety within our heart and really inspect our heart and really search our heart to make sure that we're not being flippant but at the same time this is just as much about the resurrection of christ as it is the death of christ so um and i say it because um i think we need to start approaching supernatural communion with 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 a with um 
with a new level of just celebration and, and joy. Like this is really communion is like the most amazing celebration of like, grace and union and covenant relationship. Like we have, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God, from his presence, from who he is. And so communion is the opportunity to really come into a deeper, um, uh, literal experience with, with God. And so those are two things that I just wanted to, to pull out real, real quick. Uh, when it comes to kind of that traditional model that sometimes rules over our minds when we when we take communion. Well, yeah, and I think you just took it to a whole other level as well because that's really what we're talking about here is not even necessarily of course you can you can take the natural elements, but we are talking in a sense about the mystical feast being in the spirit. Yes. Correct? Yes, yes. Because, I mean, when you look at Exodus 24, and and uh, this is when Moses is going up on the mount to get the Ten Commandments before the establishment of, of the law, um, he takes 70 elders up, right? And the, the Bible says that they ate and drank with God. They wow. ate and wow. drank with God. But, but here's the thing, Darren. What did they eat and drink? And this is what I'm getting at, is, and I and our our discussion is, you know, uh, we've talked a, a few times about this, is that when we get to heaven, right, the marriage feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, what are we going to be eating, exactly? I mean, is there going to be like a a lamb on the table, and, right. and there's going to be like this big feast that we're going to be eating? I mean. Or is it when we're 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 talking about the feast and this this um, you know marriage supper of the Lamb? Is it that we are going to be feasting on the Word of God and the revelation of Christ Jesus? Because remember, the Word became flesh, right? Yeah. So, yeah. are we going to be eating? The in communing with the spirit to such a degree that um, that your body is sustained because heaven isn't just like a you uh, a, a mystical place it's a real place with people there I mean even people that haven't died Enoch Elijah people are there how are their physical bodies sustained. That's not even dive into the saints that have passed and are, are, you know. But what about Enoch and Elijah? How are they being sustained? Has to be by the word of God. And 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 so Jesus even said it uh, when he the day before, you know, the night before he was betrayed, and he said, "We will not do this again until we are together in in in, in heaven." And then that. That goes into the question: When when do we when do we get to heaven, right? Yep. Because life is not, you know, Jesus paid the price for all for all of us. He died for us so that we could have life. So death is not our door into into heaven. Christ is our door, which is life. So there is a way that there is a place that we can get so into the realm of the spirit that 
that communion with the Holy Spirit and God in Christ uh, becomes a reality in the sense of you're actually there, you know, and you're and you're feasting in heaven. Absolutely. And we're not, we're and not I, eating pizza. I think that the well, I believe that the even the nature of food changes in heaven versus on on the earth in that every every death is such a motivator <laughs> for humanity <laughs> um right. when we think of motivators oftentimes we think of you know money greed power sex those kind of um, motivators when it comes to the the economics of the of the world but really death is one of the primary motivators of for humanity because to a great degree humanity walks in the shadow of death um, with this, with this great imposter kind of lurking over us at all at all times, and I think David had this incredible revelation that, like, I will walk in the shadow of death, but that's as close to death as I'm as I'm going to come. So when we when we uh, go to heaven, uh, whatever theological you know, into the intermediate heaven, um, uh, we will no longer be underneath the shadow of death. So death will no longer be. A motivator. We will have shifted from that 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 thinking like mortals to now getting to function as as immortals, as ever living ones, along with you know in the image and likeness of our of our Creator. Right. So right. in that realm where where we will be an ever living one, uh, 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 existing in our in our true state, the way that we were created to function, death will no longer be a motivator. So if we know that we're going to be feasting in heaven, then that feasting's not gonna be here's like this is all this is speculative, right? And and we're just having fun here. But that that feasting, I believe, would not be necessarily a a uh, uh, a necessity as much as it would be a a luxury in that it's no longer about survival because humans, we function according to a certain survival code, right? But in that realm, it's no longer going to be about what do we have to do to survive as much as it is living in this place of feasting for pleasure and feasting in the Lord. And like, and, and kind of my model in saying this is by looking at the, at the, at the community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and how they exist as one and all, and all the pleasure and all the satisfaction and, and just this ecstatic state of, of being that they get to exist in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. So for them, it's not a matter of having to engage in a certain uh, set of activities in order to survive because they are, they are, um, they are the, 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 you know, God is the I am, the self existent one. And so, uh, and so I, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely an interesting thought to think of, 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 of feasting on something in heaven in order to, you know, um, maintain ourselves but i but i think that there's just there's going to be this level level of immense sovereign p- pleasure where uh where we are going to get to feast on on the lord in such a way where it's 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 the only thing that we have to compare it of as humans is eating food and the temporary pleasure that we get when we eat food and we eat something so good or we drink something so good and we're like wow this is so this is so good so I think that in, in, a, in a certain way that eating might even be a metaphor for the kind of engagement that we get to experience in heaven, um, you know, uh, and, but I, I may be wrong. I mean, 
there may be literal crabs and lobster up in heaven that we actually get to crack open and eat. And I actually, I, I believe there will be crab in heaven. And <laughs> well, I mean, you, I, I've taught on this before. There, there are um, really four <laughs> distinct realms of visions, right? Yeah. Hi, the highest being what, what is uh, in the Hebrew called Mara, which is uh, what Paul was talking about um, in, to the Corinthians. And he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but a man was caught up in heaven where things became so real that he couldn't tell whether – Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they were the, it was no longer this this uh, mystical kind of when you have a vision. A lot of times it, it just you know there's there's no depth to it, you know. But in Mara, it becomes everything becomes solidified, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of I was studying even what science. Uh, Started. I was reading some things that, that scientists were saying about uh, memories and the brain capacity and the storage of of memories within the human body. And I, I was I wrote this down um, because um, uh, you know memories are all ha- can contain emotions. And um, a scientist said that the body is composed of some a hundred trillion cells. Your body is has a hundred trillion cells within it, and each strand of your DNA is capable of storing up to six gigabytes of memory. Wow! Right? Wow! Okay. So, when the brain, or, or I mean, because Paul talked about the mind of Christ, he talked about he talked about um, images, memory. You, you you look at the way that he framed up everything as far as visions and experiences in the spirit realm go, your brain just kind of kind of holds certain information. But science is discovering that it actually takes that information and places it within the 100 trillion cells throughout your entire body. Hmm. And they took it to a place where if a person has a traumatizing experience, it can affect and put pain you know, uh, in certain parts of their bodies where it'll shut down. And because of that trauma, if it's not dealt with, it can lead to, to death even. But I want to spin it the other way into the place of where we're talking about feasting in heaven, that, that these visions, these Mara experiences, this communion with the spirit, Darren, can affect the cells of your physical body and even the even your cells would take on the memory of the experience that you had in heaven wow. and rejuvenate your physical cells wow. right because 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 science cannot figure out why humans die because the cells of your body every 7 years regenerate just in the natural you can study it anyone that's listening to this you can study it every 7 years your physical body changes and rejuvenates, even your skin cells. So if that's the case and they can't figure out why, I mean, we know why humans die. And it's not even because of sickness, right? It's because the wages of sin is death. Right, right. 
So if, the, if, if sin is what is destroying the physical body, the more time that you spend in life in Christ, the more that your cells will take on the memory of that life. And Paul said that this corruption is going to put on incorruption. This, you know, this, uh, we will, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed. And so then this goes into another whole other discussion that we could probably have for another time. (laughs) But what, what is going to be the quote unquote rapture of the church? I would suggest that it isn't going to be this, this thing that's suddenly going to take place where everybody's just going to vanish. But what I believe is that people are going to get the bride of Christ is going to come into such communion with God and the Holy Spirit and a revelation of the body and the blood of Jesus that that like, you know, Bob Jones used to say, I get raptured daily. (laughs) Right. Or like Sadhu Sundar Singh in 1929, uh, when he talks about, you know, his books on visions, he was he was saying that up to 10 times a day he was going physically into heaven with his full body, that there is going to be a company of believers that are, are, are going to start to practice this communion with, with God and start to doing it just naturally starting out by faith, right? And enter into a place where suddenly they're being, they're being taken. And, and, you're coming back so rejuvenating your physical body that, you know, plastic surgeon couldn't do the, the kind of re- rejuvenizing to your face and your physical body as science or doctors couldn't do uh, through the technology that's on the earth what the technology in heaven is now doing to you physically. And um, th- these are just questions, you know. These are just things that – that I believe unless we discuss them, because everything's by faith, man. The Bible is completely and utterly, when you study it out and look at every person that was ever used by God, it always started out in faith and then moved into a place where it became fact. And if there was a generation that believed God in the area of healing— and started to practice healing, could it and, and pioneered, you know, divine healing? Could it be that there is a generation that is receiving a revelation of Jesus Christ to where they believe that they won't have to taste death and they go into a place of feasting on God? And bring an entire generation into that revelation where we're suddenly – we are caught away. Because unless it's taught, unless there's faith applied, then there can there can be no uh, you know, manifestation of it. That's just my, my, my thoughts. Interesting. Right? So you're, you're saying that there could be a generation of Enoch's coming. I, I mean, not even Enoch, and that, right? <laughs> who, who so escaped, that, that's the other a ge- thing. A generation this, that escapes death. Yes, because because remember we, we were talking about Hebrews eleven, and in Enoch he was translated by faith. Right, right, right. right. 
But when you look at Hebrews 11, the Bible says towards the end of the chapter, it says all of them having, having, you know, basically done this by faith, they didn't receive the promise. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what does it look like? Verse, what does it look verse like? Verse 39. I'm looking at it right now. It says, And all these having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise. God having provided something better for us that without us uh, should not they, they should not be made perfect. Right? That is that that takes it to a whole other dimension because you realize that Enoch did it by faith, right? He was translated by faith, but he didn't actually receive the 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 promise or the perfection because because God had provided something better for the new creation man that yeah. is of a higher dimension than even Enoch has tasted of absolutely and i think i mean i'm sure you know about this and i was fascinated to learn recently that there is actually like a whole there's a whole sect of of the occult which where there's actually the worship of enoch and even an enochian uh language where e enoch becomes like the 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 prototype you know um versus uh, we got uh, we got uh, like that that the true and perfect Enoch was actually Christ Jesus and that that uh, and so that I, I think that sometimes there can be even the worship of Enoch even within the Christian church um, right. but what we have through Christ Jesus is so much better. I mean, how did Jesus go out? It wasn't through death. Like Jesus, Jesus uh, decided to catch a cloud and then went to the celestial world, <laughs> went, went home on a cloud. Right. And we know that one day he'll, he'll return right on a horse. And so if Jesus is the model, you know, and, uh, you know, if we can, if we can, I mean, so it's not that we're trying to escape death like Enoch is that we're that we can in Christ um, come into this place where we can escape death by catching a cloud and going to heaven. I mean, if, if you're going to wear a bra bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Um, he would catch a cloud and, and go to heaven for a little bit and, come, <laughs> you know, come back. Um, right. And I think what's also interesting is we're so many times we're sin focused um, sickness focused, disease focused, and death focused. Even so, so much so that when we read First Corinthians eleven thirty, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died because you engaged um, flippantly with with communion, right? So we know that that communion can have ne a negative impact on our on our health, even to the point of death, right? So what happens if you could, if one could actually engage with communion the, the, the right way, right after inspecting their hearts and after uh, going in going in uh, with the proper protocol of having a clean heart, making things right with the Lord and with each other? Then it's realistic to think that it's the Lord's will not to kill people through communion, but to give us strength, to give us health, and to invite us into uh, a revelation of immortality in Christ. Right, and and that's the key. I think is is within all revelation, it must be Christ centered. Right, what we're talking about here is 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 being in Christ. That's right. Paul said, "I live and move and have my being in Christ," and so you do see, um, you know, an avenue of the New Age and the occult trying to tap into 
certain things. Um, but Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the door. And so when I, when, when we're talking revelation and we're, and we're discussing even mystical theology or, or, um, you know, uh, exotic types of thinking within, within the context of scripture, everything has to go back to the scripture, right? Absolutely. We're bringing, we're tying everything back in, into the scripture. And so even what we're talking about here um, is not like there, there is a, a form of Hinduism uh, called uh, breatharianism. And these guys, they don't, they don't eat any food. Uh, they, you know, they say that they get the energy from the sun. They stare at the sun and, and, and most of them look all initiated, like half dead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But when I, when I studied like the saints, you know, like Catherine of Siena, uh, St. Rose, all, all, all the mystics, they, they would always note Darren that the, that they were almost like heavy set. Like, wow, like wow. they, they wasn't like they were initiated and, and all skinny and, and, and like looked like they were going to die. They noted that they were very healthy. Um, I, I one, one of the, one of the, um, I, I would encourage like the listeners to grab a hold of a book called mysteries, marvels and miracles of the lives of the saints, because it really dives into like a lot of what we're talking about and other kind of bizarre miracles. Uh, but one of the notes that they, they they talked about one particular saint was that for like 40 years, they didn't take any food, only communion. Wow. And they were very plump and heavy set. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, so, right? So, like, there might be somebody that's listening that's like, oh, I, you know, I – I've heard about these people that don't eat any food like this. This it's like an occult of breatharianism or what? That's not even what we're talking about whatsoever. No, not at all. We're we're talking about we're not talking about uh, trying to through willpower and staring in the sun or something something like that. Uh, you know, not not take any food and just try to get energy from the universe. We're not even we're not discussing that. We're not talking about the S U N. We're talking about the S O N. Oh, come on, God. Charlie. Oh, come, come on, somebody. Come on. There we go. All right. <laughs> Look at your neighbors. Slap them high five. <laughs> come on. So it's the S O N that we're living off of. <laughs> come on. And is there a way that w- there is a realm and a dimension that I believe that this generation is going to tap into that is going to um, freak out even those that are operating the occult? The new age, uh, you know, and and people that are uh, living, uh, really seeking, you know, the supernatural, but outside of Christ, and and you know, e- even when you you look at uh, the book of Daniel, the Bible says that Daniel was f- like ten times greater than all of the, those that were operating the occultic realm. That's right. That's right. And you look at what he did was he went on a on and in a way the Lord had spoken to him about and what we what what Christians and evangelicals and uh, Pentecostals charismatics called the Daniel fast, right? I, the I Daniel the, fast. The Jamba fast. 
Jamba Juice Fast. Yeah, yeah the, the Jamba right? Fast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he went on that. He went on that fast. But, but that wasn't even a. That was not just like they were. They were just not eating certain foods, man. They were tapping to dimensions of the spirit. That's right. That's right. That that was turning on things on a cellular level in their physical bodies to where even the comprehension, their thoughts, the way they understood things was at such a degree that basically he became a prime minister of a nation because he tapped into a dimension of the spirit and the blueprint of heaven, the mind of God, and was releasing information to a king to actually four different kings uh, throughout his life that everybody in the occultic realm, those that were operating out of witchcraft and sorcery, could not even touch to the degree they said 10 times greater capacity of understanding. So these guys were, were tapping into some realms that uh, even the occult could not touch. Absolutely. And I think that... Um I absolutely agree as far as uh, as far as this current generation um, that's coming up right now, it, I don't believe is going to have the love affair with information as much as they're going to demand a personal relationship and experience with the incarnation with Christ Jesus because things are getting so real right now outside of the church as far as spirituality and American spirituality and how third world it's becoming in America. It's straight up freaky. So to a great degree, we're going to have to start having a third world type Christianity where we're walking in a revelation of the incarnation. And that's what we're really talking about today is this isn't just about uh, just about being mystical and just in order to be mystical. This is about you really knowing Christ, like you really knowing for yourself Christ Jesus and that you are communing with him, that this is not just a a a a churchy type religion that you're a part of, but that daily you're communing with Christ. And and like uh, and I would even encourage our listeners that are listening to this. Um, that as you begin engaging with communing with Christ, that you that you, that that you remember that this is the body of Christ. Like Jesus says, take this. This is my this is my body. The key emphasis is my. Like this is him. Like so. It's it, this is an invitation today for you to get your eyes off of even your own health, your own healing, your own your own um, uh, all the all the all the stuff, and for you to get your attention. Back, you know, he says in remembrance of me, meaning that like like this whole thing is a great act of supernatural meditation in Christ Jesus, focusing meditation. I, I don't mean anything weird by that, but basically putting your full focus, your your full attention, everything that you are as a whole person um, devotes itself uh, into the worship and and into the focus of Christ Jesus through communing with him. And that's what we're talking about. And that's what Charlie is saying is that as you begin doing this, it's not just natural. It's absolutely supernatural, but it comes back. It's circular in that it comes back naturally and begins to change your body, even on a cellular level, even changing your own cravings and desire, 
even for food itself, that that is the possibility historically and biblically that there is this place where the composition and the chemistry of who you are begins to transfigure and begins to change uh, in that in that your um, your affections are just so set on Christ that even the worship of food um, uh, 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 begins just to fade away um, and uh, and all of a sudden before you know it your your priorities are coming in to alignment uh, biblically and you're you're and all of a sudden you're not just a Christian but you are a, a spiritual Christian and that this stuff is very very real yeah totally and I think that anybody that's listening man what they can take away from this is not and the in the most simplest way is just a more intimacy with the Holy Spirit Jesus Christ you know and God and and just beginning to practice really his presence in the in the simplest way and see where it takes you come on <laughs> i mean this is just see where it takes you if if 20 minutes of prayer takes you to getting you know your needs you, you getting the weight lifted off of you about the the situations that you're facing what is hour going to do what is two hours going to do i mean what is what this is the kinds of things i started thinking in my early 20s was like what if i spent like I mean, and of course we have families, we have jobs, we have different things that we have to take care of, but gardens. What if I spent yeah, gardens. What <laughs> what if what if I spent eight hours, twelve hours, twenty-four hours? Wow. What what is what happens when a person begins to take um such time with the Holy Spirit in the presence of God that hours go by? In hours, what 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 begins to take place with that, you know? And then, um, what is this communion? What does that communion begin to look like, you know? Because I, I just want to throw this out, and maybe you can touch on this. Just uh, something that I, I I was thinking, like in first in First Corinthians eleven, right? Talking about communion. Um, verse twenty nine says. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this has caused many to be weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Is it that that we've just, you know, and we always hear the person, don't, when you're at church, when you're growing up, don't take this to communion unworthily, you know, examine yourself, mm. uh to make sure before you take it that you don't do anything uh, you, before you take it because it could cause you know you to to be sick or whatever. This weird kind of thinking, right? Right, right. Uh, that's co- crept into the church. But is it possible that we haven't actually discerned the Lord's body in his com- in communion correctly to the point? To what Paul was really saying here is if you did understand it, you did have fellowship and communion um, on a supernatural level, that you would have to be sick at all. You wouldn't have to die. This is just something I'm thinking, just a thought to the listeners, and and maybe you could touch on that. I mean, think about it, Darren. Like, not not just because people like take it in an unworthy manner, they, they, you know you're 
you suddenly just come down with a sickness and die or something weird, weird kind of religious thinking. But is it that Paul was trying to say that if you did understand fellowship on a supernatural level and communion with the spirit on a supernatural level, that your cells would be so rejuvenated and so uh, you'd be in such health that people couldn't they, they, they couldn't find sickness within you. They, they couldn't find disease within you. They couldn't find uh, even death within you. Absolutely. You know, that, that's the whole thing that John G. Lake said. He said that the, the, the laws of, uh, uh, in life in Christ Jesus had freed me from the laws of sin and death. That's how he, he described um, when the science, scientist put the bubonic plague on his hand and it died. He said that I'm not – I'm not living according to the natural laws and the human elements. I'm living through Christ. And of course, we know that, you know, he ended up, you know, going uh, into the cloud of witnesses. But there are some guys like, like um, you know, Enoch and guys like Sadhu Sundar Singh that it's speculative whether they, they, ever, they ever tasted a death. And even St. John, Jesus said— uh, to Peter, asking when Peter asked him about John, what was going to happen to him, he said, "If I want this man to remain until I come again, what is it to you?" So even some theologians believe that there's a possibility that John never even tasted death because when they tried to boil him in a vat of oil, he he just danced, and then they put him <laughs> in the Isle of Patmos. You know, the Book of Revelation was written. Some people believe that he dug his own grave, but and laid down in it after he was over 100 years old but some believe that he never even tasted death so who who knows but this is just something that 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 i've been thinking for years about you know that if we discern the lord's body and we have communion and fellowship in the spirit like paul talked about that we wouldn't have to be sick and we wouldn't have to die yeah, and I mean it's absolutely supernatural, and I, I love, I love approaching that text from the positive light instead of just the negative light that it's typically uh, uh, approached with. The other thing that that I've been studying this last year is just the 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 natural um, effects of fasting on the body, and there was a uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and then uh, oh, another guy can't can't remember his name. Um, but all the all the uh, the studies right now where fasting is being encouraged not only to make the the mind sharp because of the release of ketones and right of the whole process of converting fats into fuel for the, for the mind that can only take place in that place of fasting, but also the hormones in the in the body that actually zap cancerous agents. And it also depletes the body of the kind of fuel that cancer feeds on. So a lot of people are practicing fasting now as a cancer preventative. And so, um, uh, but not only, so I mean, I, I, so I, I find just the, the natural and the supernatural parts of fasting absolutely fascinating, as well as the practice of communion and engaging it with, with it for the right way because of even just that the supernatural life that's released from the perfect record of Christ Jesus, from that perfect dimension of his perfect bloodline that begins to overwrite the imperfections within our own DNA. And I love uh, approaching communion that way. Even at Seattle Revival Center, 
corporately we practice communion in that way um, declaring the perfect record and the dimensions of Christ's blood that they would overwrite the imperfections within our own DNA and I'm sure it kind of freaks out um, visitors to be talking about DNA during communion (laughs) but we're making these declarations um, uh, by faith so that there is that place of the renewing of our minds that we begin to approach these things um, differently instead of just from a place of tradition like we tend to do that we begin to approach these things um, with a new level of faith and a new expectation that the chemistry of our body is going to be changing because of how we're um, engaging with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I just, I love this conversation. I also love watching you that you're not just a, a person that that's um, got some theories on this, but this is really, uh, it's a, a, a lifestyle for you that, that you are one that's really going after this. Um, and, and you don't make a big deal about it. I mean, we've been together plenty of times, right? Like we've, we've hung out so much and you, you're not one that really ever, you don't wear the t-shirt. Hey, don't talk to me. I'm fasting. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, you're, you're just doing your thing and, and you never really point out that this is a part of your lifestyle. And because of that, I think it's really cool that you're willing to kind of dive into the, into this topic, um, and even inviting people into this as an opportunity because it really is, this is one of those things that's really um, not talked about a whole lot. No, totally. And, and, and it's about pioneering, right? Come on. In a sense. Yep. Um, and what I've noticed throughout like traveling the nations and things like that, because I've been doing it since I, you know my early 20s. I started going into the continent of Africa when I was like 23, is I would meet these guys that um, – that were supernatural, they were mystical, and they would always they would they would always tie in fasting with the miracles that they saw wow. And, wow. And, and and the kind of things that that uh, that the Lord was doing through their ministry and the time that they spent in prayer. These were like real foundational keys for for my early kind of uh, Christian walk when I really got on fire for the Lord. And um, you know, we're I mean, we're in a place right now in the Western church, especially in America, where we've seen the mega church. We've seen the, you know, the 15-minute messages, the 45-minute services, uh, the drive-by, drive-through type Christianity. Sure. And I honestly believe, Darren, that people are tired of that. They want something that's real. And Christianity at the end of the day is the most mystical, supernatural, if you want to, if you want to categorize it as a religion that is out there, nothing can touch Christianity in the sense of supernatural power demonstration and, 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 um, what seems to be even this discussion that we're having today there might be some people that are listening that are like, wow, this is really out there. But but is it really out there? Or is it that we've dulled down Christianity to such a place to where when anybody comes and kind of challenges our belief system to, to um, a new level, if you want to say it, or of understanding uh, – the Bible that, you know, that we, that, that we're like, 
we, we don't we don't understand like th- this isn't what my pastor taught me or this isn't this has to be this has to be weird this has to be no 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 it's not weird it, it's it's a supernatural new creation life that a generation I believe are are especially in America are beginning to open their eyes to the possibilities of really having communion with Jesus and not just going to service on Sunday morning and, and, and 45 minutes and I'm out. But there are people that are really starting to be hungry for, you know, the supernatural like we've never seen. People want answers. You yeah. know, they, they want, they, they're, they're tired of being sick. They recognize that even within the food industry, if we were to dive into that, Monsanto and GMO and all, all these things that are, you could just look up yourself and Google it. You know, get on your 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 old you know Google search. <laughs> you can find this stuff, man. And you go like, well, this food isn't sustaining me. And even people are like, well, we need vitamins, we need this, we need that in order to even get the nutrition out of food anymore because it's so. It's so contaminated. Right, right, right. Uh, here, here's a thought. I mean, what about supernatural communion? Could it be better than taking your vitamins? Could it be better than you know eating that, um, you know, non-GMO <laughs> organic meal right. that you that you make? You know, right. Just a thought, man. Could communion be healthier for you than your carcinogenic bacon? <laughs> possibly possibly and just just think about the gmos in 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 christianity (laughs) right now the 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 genetically modified uh uh western christianity that's being delivered right now and uh and i think what we're actually talking about isn't isn't weird what we're we're talking about is getting back to what's real and and that's and that's the invitation without being hypercritical of any particular ministry or minister or church or style. This right. isn't about being judgmental. This is about the the quest within the heart of I believe a generation that's crying out for what's real, and what's real is going to look weird um, when all you know is just an event that's that's been that that has Jesus's name slapped on it like a bumper sticker. And bro, that's one of the things I just appreciate about you is that you uh have stayed hungry. You don't get satisfied with what you're walking in. I mean, you're you're one of the most hungry guys um that I know. And I just appreciate uh uh just my friendship that I have with you. I just appreciate you uh taking uh the time out of your schedule to be um on the show today. And uh man, I just 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 really appreciate you, bro. Oh man, I really appreciate you having me on, bro. And uh, who knows what it's going to look like in twenty years, right? It's just like, you know, when when the revival broke out at your church, man, and or the outpouring, um, you know, this this journey that we've been on to even together as friends um, over the last you know eighteen months has just been awesome, you know, and just seeing how not just a like. From my personal life, not just to model it as like, you know, um, a, a traveling itinerant minister, uh, you know, healing evangelist, prophet or whatever, um, but actually seeing uh, how we can model this in a local church. 
you know, and, and, and go from a place of just having extended meetings into building a culture of revival and sustaining it um, has been, a, I mean, it's been a real joy to see how, how things have, have been just over the eight, last 18 months, you know, at CL Revival Center, just how it's been, it's been transpiring, you know, and, and like I said, who knows what it's going to look like in, in five years from now. I mean, but we're headed somewhere. You know, and we're, we're dialoguing these questions, man, that I believe that people that are out there that are listening, they're, they're, they, they've often wondered this, but there's been really no kind of outlet as far as like ministers that are, are willing to take those chances and just at least discuss the topics, um, you know, that you're talking about on your podcast. It's just phenomenal, man. I, I'm enjoying it. Well, thanks again, man. That, that just means so much. And uh, to everyone listening, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this time that we've had together today talking about Charlie Champ. And if you have, then please take a moment to uh, subscribe to this thing and to review this podcast uh, on iTunes. Probably the easiest way to do it is just go to thedarrenshow.com. And like I said, uh, subscribe on iTunes, leave a review. You can give it one star. That means that you think it was lame or you can give it five stars stars and that means that you think this thing's actually off the chain so thanks again charlie dude you are amazing and uh let's do this again oh yeah we got to man we'll we'll pick another uh super controversial subject and we'll we'll, we'll tackle it Okay, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that. Here's what I'd like you to do. Go to destinyencounters.com. Again, that's destinyencounters.com. Go to the top of the page, click store, and you're going to see this CD series that's available. It's called Angels, a Biblical School of Living Light. It's over 13 hours of seminar-style teaching on angels. And so if you've been curious about the angelic realm and angelology, then you're going to want to check this out. It goes beyond just the basics and it goes it dives into some of the deeper things when it comes to angels. Also, while you're there at destinyencounters.com, right on the front page, you're going to see Miracle Mission Malawi. Here's an opportunity to actually go to Malawi with Charlie Champ. And if you can't go, there's an opportunity there where you can actually uh, financially sew into this trip. So please pray and consider either going on this trip or at least financially supporting this trip. And this can all be done at destinyencounters.com. Go and check it out. All right. Love you guys. Talk soon.